God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this morning's message, The Preaching of the Cross. A preacher from the last century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, made this statement with regard to the preaching of the cross. If we confined our preaching to nothing but the cross, it would prove to be a widening rather than a narrowing of our ministry. And in reality, if we look at any passage of Scripture without the cross, we have not understood that passage of Scripture. One preacher made this statement, any message without the cross was a mistake in its conception and a crime in its execution. And I believe that. The cross is the whole counsel of God. The cross is in every passage of Scripture. The preaching of the cross. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, when Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, he's not saying people should not be baptized. If I believe the gospel, I should be baptized. And baptism is baptism by immersion. There's uh, no evidence in the scripture whatsoever of infant baptism. Baptism is for believers. And I would love to baptize thousands of people if that's what the Lord's will is. But Paul is saying, my purpose is not for results. It's not for numbers of baptisms. Christ sent me not to baptize. This emphasis that preachers and religion has on numbers is altogether wrong. The first thing people ask about a church is how many people attend. Not is the gospel preached there, but how many people attend. That is just wrong. And Paul said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now when Paul speaks of using wisdom of words, he says, I'm not to package the gospel to try to make it more appealing to the flesh. That is so rampant in what most of what goes on under the name of Christianity, trying to market the gospel to appeal to people. Paul said, I don't do that. I preach the gospel in its naked simplicity. And if I try to dress it up and make it more appealing to the flesh, the cross of Christ will be made of none effect. No one will be saved 
by that kind of preaching. But he says in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross. Now, when he's talking about the cross, he's not talking about this. Uh, people use it as jewelry. Uh, it's up in uh, religious uh, buildings. You'll see crosses on the tops of the steeples and so on. He's not talking about that. Um, as far as that goes, in all likelihood, Christ was crucified. What we call a cross was a pole. And uh, like the serpent on a pole. And I uh, doubt that it even was a cross the way we think of a cross. But what he's talking about is the doctrine of Christ being nailed to a cross. The preaching, the word, the doctrine of the cross. Now let me tell you what the doctrine of the cross is. Substitution. Substitution. The way I can be saved is for Christ to take my place as my substitute, pay for my sins as my substitute, keep the law for me as my substitute, and he gives me his perfect righteousness. Substitution is the very heart and soul of the cross. I remember reading once of a missionary who was in a very primitive place, and he was trying to understand if they understood what he said. And he asked someone of that uh, tribe, do you understand what I've said? And the man replied, he died or me died. He died, me no die. He got the very essence of substitution. If Christ died for me, I will not have to die. That is what the cross is all about, how God can be just and justify the ungodly through the cross. Do you know every attribute of God is displayed in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? Every attribute, His holiness, His wisdom, His love, His justice, His mercy, His grace. Oh, the glory of the cross. Now, Paul says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You tell me that I can be saved simply because a man was nailed to a cross? Well, that's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, oh, it, the preaching, the doctrine, the word of the cross is the very power of God. In this same chapter, in verse 22, Paul says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach... Christ crucified. Now, the Jews, the religious people, they require a sign. Give me some evidence. I need my works as evidence that God has done something for me. I need to see something. I need to be able to feel something. I need evidence. You can't tell me that if Jesus Christ died for someone, they're saved. Uh, I think the only evidence that somebody is saved is by not by what they believe, but by how they live, how they perform. I need evidence. I need a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. This is the non-religious. And the wisdom that they're speaking of, seeking, is not 
that wisdom, that's that uh, fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, but worldly wisdom. Wisdom about how to make this world a better place to live. How to have greater uh, health care. How to have better technology. How to have uh, better education. Doing things to make this world a better place. They seek after wisdom. But Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. That's our message. Jesus Christ, who he is, crucified, what he did, why he did it, and what he accomplished in doing it. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. He was put there because it was his father's purpose for him. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The sins of his people became his sins. He suffered. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. When he died, all sin was put away. The sins of everybody he died for was put away. When he was raised from the dead, everybody he represented was justified. We preach Christ crucified. Salvation wholly by what Christ did. Now, to the Jews, that's a stumbling block. You're going to tell me that I am accepted by God solely without any reference to my work simply because of what Christ did for me? That's all that is my acceptance before God? You're going to tell me that? Why, that'll lead to a sinful life. That'll lead to apathy and indifference. I won't have any motivation to live for God if I know I'm accepted in what Christ did without any reference to my works. Why, that's, that's scandalous. The Greeks say, why, that's foolishness. That's not going to make the world a better place. This is not going to improve education or health care. This is not going to take care of the problem of racism and every other ism. Why, this is foolishness to say that this is the message. But... Unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. You see, the cross is the wisdom of God and Him making a way for Him to be just and holy and righteous and still justify somebody who in and of themselves are unjust, but He can make that person sinless. Sinless. Having never sinned. That's what justification is. You've never sinned. You've always done that which pleases God. Now only the wisdom of God could make a way for him to do that. And it took the power of God to execute it. The power of Jesus Christ to put away sin. The power of Jesus Christ to work out a perfect righteousness. The power of Jesus Christ to raise himself from the dead. Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 and 2, And I, brethren... When I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of knowledge, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I wasn't trying to wow you with my oratory, for I determined not to know anything among you. I made this my resolve, to not even consider anything as important, even worth talking about, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, do you understand why Paul said that? Do you understand knowing nothing is even relevant except Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Have you seen such glory in this message that you won't preach anything else and you don't want to hear anything else? Uh, if somebody would accuse me of preaching the same thing 
all the time, guilty as charged. I want to preach the same thing all the time. Jesus Christ and Him crucified as everything in the Bible, as everything in God's salvation of all that's needed to make me perfect before God. Now, the cross, the preaching of the cross. You know, we don't know much about what took place before time began. I realize that. But there was a time when there was no matter, there was no space, there was no time. God dwelt alone in the trinity of his sacred persons. All there was was God. There were no angels, there were no planets, there was no sun, moon, or stars. All there was was God. And even then, the Bible tells us that Christ was the Lamb slain, literally the Lamb having been slain from the foundation of the world. Before time began, Christ was the Lamb slain. Before there was ever a sinner, there was the Savior. And God's eternal purpose is Christ coming into the world to be crucified, to put away the sins of his people, and to save them from their sins for his own glory. God created the universe so the Lamb could come and be slain. Now, when Adam fell, before he fell, God said, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Talking about him eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he doesn't say, If you eat it, you'll die. He said, In the day you do, you'll die. Could God have prevented it? Of course he could have. Did he? No, he didn't. Why? It was all a part of his purpose. Without Adam falling, there would be no lamb slain. And the lamb slain is the most glorious thing there is. Now, I know this with regard to God. <clears throat> I don't understand why he does everything he does, except that I know it's for his glory. And I know this, whatever he does is good, righteous, glorious, holy, People say, well, how could God let this happen? How could God let that happen? I trust God's character. Whatever he does is righteous, glorious, perfect. And here is the glorious thing about God. He always brings good out of evil. And the greatest example of that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most evil thing to ever take place. Men nailing their creator to a cross. And yet it's the most glorious thing to ever take place. Now, Adam eats, he dies, and right after the fall, we're given the first gospel promise. He says, the seed of woman, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have Adam's seed. The seed of woman shall crush the serpent's head, and the serpent will bruise his heel. That took place on the cross. And then right after that, while the uh, our first parents had tried to make a covering for themselves to cover their nakedness, to cover their shame, made of fig leaves. God slew an animal, a lamb, and gave them a covering, prefiguring the cross right there. What's the first uh, story after the fall? Cain and Abel. Cain brings his best to God, the fruit of the ground. Abel brings the blood of a slain sacrifice. 
Now, Abel understood that that blood didn't put away any sin. He did this by faith, looking to the coming one. He knew Christ would come and shed his blood, and the only way he could approach God is through the blood sacrifice of his son. And that's what this animal I'm bringing represents. Cain saw no point in that. He thought, well, this is good enough. Abel knew it wasn't. And the scripture says God had respect to Abel and his offering. God was pleased. But to Cain and his offering, he had no respect. He treated it with disregard. He knew what it was. Abel was thinking he could come into God's presence on the basis of his own works. And that's an insult. That's bringing God down to our level. That's insulting God. Abel knew the only way he could approach God is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that made him acceptable to God. Now, Cain got mad at this. He said, this is not fair. Why is it that God would accept your sacrifice and not mine? I'm sure Abel explained to him, God's holy. We're sinful. The only way we can be accepted is through the blood of the coming one. Abel said, I'll show you blood. He bashed his brother's head in. And the first murder took place over the cross, over the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some 2,000 years later, uh, men have, uh, they were born dead in sins, but wickedness progressed to the point where God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God told Noah, Noah found grace in his sight. He was just as bad as everybody else, but God decided to save him. And he said, make an ark. Now that ark is the most clear type of Christ. Everybody in the ark was saved. Everybody outside of the ark was drowned. The wrath of God poured upon the ark, but those in the ark were saved. The wrath of God came down on Christ. Those in him, those he represented, are saved. Well, what's the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark? He offered a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. The cross has always been everything in salvation. There aren't different dispensations. The cross is the only dispensation. It's the only way men have ever been saved. Now, Abraham, he's probably the most significant uh, man in Scripture other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is he most famous for? Offering up his son on an altar. But let me read you a passage of Scripture in Genesis 22, verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Why did he do that? God told him to. But God also told him that he would raise him from the dead. Uh, Abraham knew that. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now that's substitution. Christ being offered in my stead. (laughs) Throughout the Old Testament, we're given reminders of the cross. I think in Exodus, 
when God delivered the people from bondage, he said, you take a lamb, and it's got to be a perfect lamb, and you shed its blood and put it over the doorposts of the house you're in, and when I see the blood of that lamb, I will pass over you. Now, everybody where that blood was not, God destroyed the firstborn. In every house with the blood over the door, he had mercy. In the giving of the law in Exodus, chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Do you know in that same chapter, he gives instructions for an altar for sacrifice? He knew they wouldn't keep that law. And he said there's not to be steps to that altar, and a human tool is not to touch it. Even then, there was a provision for the broken law. And what is that provision? The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I think of the great passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 53 about Christ's substitutionary death. Never forget that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is everything in salvation. It's everything in God's purpose. It's the most God-like thing God ever did is to nail His Son to a cross to glorify Himself and His attributes and His mercy and His grace and His love and save people who were not worthy of being saved. Somebody says, what did God see in me that was worthy? He saw His Son. He saw His Son. And that's all that's needed to make me and you worthy in His sight. Now when John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, announced His public ministry being opened, He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now he's talking about all those Old Testament lambs, those millions of lambs that had been slain. He says, now here's God's lamb. And I have no doubt he's referring to Genesis 22.8 when <coughs> the Isaac said, Father, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. Well, here is the Lamb of God's providing. The Lamb of God. Now, he had spent 30 years in obscurity, working in a carpenter shop. Nobody knew who he was, but his father did. And he kept God's law perfectly in that time. He never had a sinful thought. He never had a sinful motive. He never had a sinful deed. He never had a sinful word. He kept God's law perfectly. And yet, at the end of his three-year public ministry, he is nailed to a cross to be crucified. Shortly before this took place, he said, And what shall I say? Father, save me for this hour, from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. He came to be nailed to a cross. Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28 says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Everything that took place around the cross was what God's hand and God's counsel determined 
before to be done. Don't ever look at the cross in any other way than that. God's eternal purpose. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When Peter's preaching on Pentecost, he says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken him with wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Now, God sent Christ into the world for the cross. Why? Why was he nailed to a cross? Number one, it was God's purpose. All along, it was God's purpose. Number two, he was nailed to a cross because he was guilty. The sins of his people became his sins. He became guilty of the commission of those sins. Now, he never sinned. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He never sinned. Even when he was made sin, he never sinned. But he became guilty of the commission of those sins. And when he was questioned by the Sanhedrin, he didn't open his mouth. When he was questioned by Pilate and Herod, he didn't open his mouth. Why? Because he knew he was guilty. Guilty as charged. You see, he came to bear the sins of his people in his own body on the tree. When he saw that cup brought before him and said, oh, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's the cup of his people's sins that he knew he was going to drink and become guilty. And be- He's going to experience everything about sin but the commission of it. He felt all the shame and guilt before his father as the sin-bearing substitute. Why was he nailed to a cross? Because he was guilty. But my dear friends, when he did that, he said, let me abide in the stead of Todd and let Todd go free. And when he died, he did something that no regular human being could do. He satisfied God's justice. God said, I am satisfied. I'm not looking for anything else All I require of Todd, all I require of every believer, I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I look to Christ for everything. Now that, my dear friends, is the message of the whole Bible. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I saved? Is it because... I asked to be saved? Is it because there's something that I did that obligated God to save me? No, I'm saved for this one reason. Jesus Christ lived for me. And he kept the law for me. And Jesus Christ died for me as my substitute, bearing my sins in his own body on the tree. And when God raised him from the dead, God said, I'm completely satisfied with what he did and everybody he did it for. And this is the very glory of God. Oh, the preaching of the cross. Now, when Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified, I make the same statement by the grace of God. I've determined not to know anything among you, not to think of anything as even worth saying, if it doesn't find its foundation in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have this message on CD and DVD. If you call the church, 
write, we'll send you a copy. Look on our website and you can get the, this message off our website. This is Todd Nybert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 